Garfield issue 63. Guys, Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. Man, that that hit hard. Came out of nowhere. Absolutely oh. nowhere. And and I hope everyone has learned a necessary fucking lesson that when TMZ starts taking pictures of a guy getting thin, it's not him doing fucking drugs, you fucking sex of shit. He was fucking going through cancer chemo treatment. That's what, and and that's what ev- that's what everyone was posting <clears throat> and thinking that he was no. They 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 you you, you went. For the worst case scenario, because you wanted him to be on drugs, you wanted to see someone successful fail. Not everybody. Definitely that, that worried, uh, Green Goblin's Green Goblin monologue in uh, Spider-Man 2002. Everybody good, wants good to see point. somebody fail. And uh, yeah, well, he didn't fail. He succeeded, and he left <laughs> an amazing legacy. And I gotta tell you, man, like, like, I, like, you texted me that I was over at Randy's house, uh, owner of CSW. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were watching Bill and Ted uh, uh, face the music. Like, we he had like a social distance party. He had like a mini theater set up in his garage with a projector screen, and I just said, "Oh fuck!" And then Randy was like, "What?" And I showed him my phone, and he looked at me. He's like, he just gave me a look, and I'm like, "Just smoke some more, dude." like like i I just like i i didn't want i I felt guilty like uh, like okay i was able to push it back my mind bill and ted was so good i was able to disconnect for a minute and enjoy bill and ted even though i was like let's separate these concepts let's talk about bill and ted but let's let's take a minute here for real chadwick boseman i mean i saw that movie i saw black panther and i was so tired that to this day, I don't know if I gave it its full due. I was working on a terrible, terrible movie when Black Panther came out. It's not a terrible movie. It was just a pain in the butt. It was a pair of directors, brothers. One of them was totally full of crap. The other one was the real deal. And uh, it was just agonizing work. And I went to see it with some buddies. I was super duper tired. I don't think I ever paid full attention to Black Panther. I love his appearances in every other movie, but uh, I had to yeah. I had to watch it about two three times <clears throat> until I until I was able to again one of those things like where it's just so much better to watch something sober. Well, and um, yeah, there's so many there's so many layers to it, and it was it it really was what everyone made it out to be. I had the same problem with like um, Captain Marvel though, but uh, I also had the I same like it. I, I had the same problem with Batman versus Superman. Uh, Still haven't seen it. It's really good, man. It took a couple of times really? until I was able to. There's so Wait many layers to it. No, I saw Batman versus Superman. Wonder Woman shows up and they fight Doomsday. Yeah, that was entertaining. There's nothing wrong with that. Was very it wasn't nearly as good as Civil War, but it was. I, I just, I just felt that they brought Doomsday out too too early. Like it's like the same way I feel like Bane isn't matured enough as a character in the comics for the rest of the world to really skew on and when the, the iteration they brought of him like I didn't like Tom Hardy I mean Tom Hardy always oh, does Tom a great Hardy, performance but, but give Tom Hardy it's every Tom Hardy. 
every iota what of what he's worth. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying, I just didn't like that version of Bane. Like, no, that's alright. But Chadwick uh, Boseman, I, please. Let's talk about Chadwick Boseman. I've never seen him in anything else. Authentically, I should have watched 42 a long time ago. My mother loved 42. 42 is upsetting. It's upsetting? For, it's upsetting because you see, like, actors you really like saying the N-word like they've been saying it their whole life. And uh, what he went wow. through in his, his performance was extremely powerful. But, like, really hammering home the racism he had to go through uh, just to kick some fucking ass and... Uh, I always think about that joke that uh, Dave Chappelle said. He, <laughs> where he said, uh, "My grand, my grandma." It's some of the ones that, like, it was on a, on the Chappelle show. He's like, you know, it's it's always good to you know to to do good things, but don't ever be the first black guy to do anything. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, That's and then they wrong. go into the, they, they go a into Mexican this American Apache guy. Yeah, they, uh, they then the, but the skit they did for that one was like the the first black dude to to take a shit on a uh, in a white toilet <laughs> and they and they they like stick the like he had like he had like terrible diarrhea and they're like sicking the dogs on him and they're they're hosing him with a fucking fire hose and he's just trying to finish because he had some bad pork or something like that it, like it was it was so fucking funny and uh it just ended up <laughs> i'm butchering it but it ended up being like the the skit was like the the first free the first free shit <laughs> That only, oh, only Chappelle could done, could could have done that, and for that to to hold up, man, because everyone gets so offended. Like, I, like I'm worried that me just talking about what Chappelle did is gonna get me in trouble. But you know That's what? Fuck it. This is our show. This is our show. We know. We know that. We know what's in our hearts. Anybody listened to us before knows that we we're we're uh, we're irreverent, but simultaneously respectful. And yeah. Um, and we, you know, I mean, we gotta, we gotta accept the fact that, we accept the fact that people have contravening, uh, personalities, character, attitudes, concepts. We don't really ever just diss on anybody for that. It's just, it is the way things are. And I gotta say this, and I, I said I was gonna talk about this. I rewatched The Iron Lady last night. Uh, because you and I were talking this morning about um, some... Uh, I don't know how to get into that dynamic. I don't know how to segue there yet. But we, I, was, I was mentioning uh, Meryl Streep playing Margaret Thatcher in The Iron Lady. Folks, if you haven't seen it... We were talking about illness. Well, we'll, we'll get back to that. But, like, we're... I don't want to do that yet. I want to say, like, she's, she's experiencing Alzheimer's, I guess. And... Um, she goes to her doctor, and her doctor asks her, you know, how, how this, that, and the other as an, a way to insinuate questions about her mental health. And she says, how do you feel? And she says, oh, in my day, you know, she, I'm going to paraphrase, I'm going to butcher this. She says, you know, it's not about what, what, I, what I feel. Nobody should care what I feel. Nobody should care what anybody else feels. It's about what they do. It's about what they can do. It's about what they try to do. And that's the theme of the whole movie. Even at the beginning, her father, who was into politics, he was just a grocer, and he was still into politics from their tiny little part of the United Kingdom. It was about what you could do for everybody, not about who you were trying to become or what kind of person you wanted to be or whatever. It was just like, 
It was just about, it was all meritocracy. It was all about merits. That movie, please. I don't think that movie could be made today. I think, I think that everybody should take a second and watch that movie. The Iron Lady. And the really, the reason we were talking about it this morning was because I was fascinated with the dynamic of Meryl Streep and the kind of, uh, the kind of microscope she was under after Harvey Weinstein, because it was a Har it was a Weinstein movie. And then, of course, I was coming off of that from Tina Fey and um, Jerry Seinfeld yeah. on uh, getting coffee with comedians in cars, talking about Louis C.K., because they all, there was this amazing parallel in the Tina Fey episode. Brilliant show, by the way, if you haven't watched that, totally watch it. It's very sophisticated. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it all loops back. It was amazing. There were like three loops that were all connected, and I, I, I just had to talk to you this morning. Sorry, I tried to talk to somebody else first. <laughs> no, you're fine, man. <laughs> I, I promised to watch uh, the Margaret Thatcher movie the second that there's pro wrestling not on television. <laughs> hey, dude, I was, I was thinking about it earlier, and you were talking about how uh, your, your favorite character in wrestling is definitely the audience. And uh, it, since they're not yep. there, I think you can forego concerning yourself with that and watch the Margaret Thatcher movie. Oh, man. All I have is Prime, HBO, Max, Hulu, Netflix, Disney+. Plus. Uh, Boy, WWE. that's an embarrassment of riches. What are you, a white guy? I, uh, I, don't, think, I don't think any of those <laughs> platforms have that. <laughs> no, nah, dude. No, no, no. What I got is my dad that has Directv that gave us his fucking password. <laughs> Your so, dad, uh, an American like, legend for sure. Yeah, I, I get Netflix for free because of T-Mobile. Yeah. Uh, Hulu, I actually pay for, but I share that with my sister because she shares her Disney Plus because she paid for the year for it. Uh, WWE, wait, wait. I bought that so I can watch wait, wait, old school wait, wait. progress. What's, what's your stuff. sister with Disney? Is it the Star Wars or is it something else? What else? What, what else does your sister like that's Disney? Oh, dude, man, there's not a person on this planet that loved The Little Mermaid more than that little girl did in 1989. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Your that sister, was, like, as much as I love your sister, and she probably doesn't even realize it, uh, like, she just comes off as a total hard-ass, dude. <laughs> so it's like The oh, Little dude. Mermaid? Dude, she's, wow. she's awesome. She's, she's, oh, she is she's totally a hard-ass. Awesome. Yeah. She's she's total awesome, but like uh, the Little Mermaid, yeah, uh, <clears throat> like I, I, she had everything: the backpack, the 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 Barbies, the oh, uh, nice. the 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 sleeping bag with the the sewed-in pillow for naps at at daycare. Uh, oh man, that's dark. The cups, yeah, yeah. She's luckily love, she doesn't listen to my shows. She can find out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody in my family listens to the show either. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm, I'm I think glad you're, don't. there are at least five girls that have crushes on me that are listening to this just to hear the sound of my voice, and my family does not give a rip. Nope. <laughs> I, I think my dad listens to it. I, and I, 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 I know your so. dad just listens like, to it. My dad's the coolest guy in the world, man. I, I, like, man, I grilled him some steaks. Like, just. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Every time you drop the F-bomb, I'm like, you're dead, dude. You're dead. <laughs> no, man. But it's our show. It is our show. And but like, for that, for that, I apologize. Uh, sorry, guys. I am still in my weird vampire hotel working on this movie. 
out of town and every little noise that my boss makes upstairs is going to come through. It's like living in a hostel. Uh, there are people walking by and then I'm definitely, I've got this cheese ball table. There wasn't enough furniture in here. So if you hear that, that's the sound yeah. of me shaking anything at any given moment just because I'm moving. So I'm sorry, it's not my, my, uh, <laughs> my professional sound booth in my <laughs> rustic apartment where I usually Well, live. I just, uh. I just hope that it's actually your boss upstairs pacing as, as opposed to, like, auditioning chicks. <laughs> There's no way that's what he's doing. He's super-duper chaste. He loves his wife. And uh, they are a very, very, very um, biblical household. That's the best. That, that's, that's, what, that's what I can say. There's no way that that guy is messing around. Uh, actually, oh, he's, I, quiet, I, I, so he's probably in bed by now. It's fascinating. Great guy. Great I, I guy. agree. I agree. I just, you know. All right. It's still synced. Guys, so we have synced. some goddamn, goddamn technical problems because my damn generic Apple dongle froze this thing and I got to get an actual Apple one. Watch it still fuck up. That's what happens. Anyway, Bill and Ted. Oh, yeah. How did uh, that go? I, I haven't it. seen it yet. Uh, Why don't you spoil it I liked for it. Me? Wait. I liked it way better than uh, Bogus Journey, but I love Bogus Journey. I almost liked it as much as I loved Excellent Adventure, and it was most excellent. Kristen <laughs> Shaw totally pulled off being a replacement for Rufus. Uh, she's we did, remember I told you? She's really, really she's amazing. good. She's amazing in everything, and uh, I, I think I might have told you or someone else, like, as long as we get like a Rufus hologram like the, that he's like in some way in the movie... And then Dennis the Robot, uh, guys, invest in seeing this movie on some sort of social distance platform where you can watch it with your buddies because you have to watch this with your friends, man. I remember that it was like 20 minutes into it before they did the, like the guitar thing. And then like <laughs> th three people in the garage were like, fucking finally. <laughs> like we were like really waiting for it. And then like, I remember when they're getting the song together, that's going to save the universe and not time, space, universe, and the planet. Uh, like Ray and I both leaned into each other. Like this song better be fucking good. I've been waiting my whole fucking life for it, but they pulled, they, they pulled it off on an epic proportion where it, even if you didn't like the song, it's, it was still good. And cool. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the, the one thing to you because that song should save the world. It was uh, an anthem. It was beautiful, man. And, and, and then, uh, Bill and Ted's daughters, they, they were so goddamn cool. Like they have to make a spinoff of that. Oh, like, I hope they do. Cause to... even in the trailer, I was like, they've got daughters. How fun is that? Yeah. They've got awesome daughters that know how to DJ and work like a Kai like forty threes man like they they knew what they were doing like and uh, <laughs> the 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 one the one big laugh I got was the conveniently placed guitar center uh, <laughs> guitar center uh, big rig on on its way for a delivery when they just happen to need equipment. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. some uh, serious product placement. Okay. Oh man, it was it, it was like it like okay, so try to put it in perspective. If you hated Dumb and Dumber 
uh, two were well, the 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 sequel were when Harry met Lloyd, mm-hmm. uh, where they had totally different actors. Um, if you hated that movie, don't worry, that doesn't happen. It's it's not that sort of thing. It's not even is it's not even you don't even have to be worried that it's going to have that same quality that Dumb and Dumber two had with actual Jim Carrey and uh, Jeff Daniels. This movie was had a it was a lot of fun seeing all the different versions of dickhead Bill and Ted in the future. Uh, Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl uh, was in the movie. The, there was so many awesome cameos that didn't take away from the writing and like eclipse things. It, it was, I can see why Keanu Reeves said yes to this. Good, good. That's awesome. That, that, that's the best review I can give. I can see why Keanu Reeves said yes. And How was Alex so Winter? Has he been in anything else? Alex Winter is a it, it, he is a legit director now. Oh, okay, great. Hey, turn your camera on. I can't see you. Well, that's you know we don't want. I know it might be your dongle, but yet whatevs. Yeah, it was, it's the dongle. It's the dongle. I just want to look. At, I just want to look at you in your your shiny bullet club shirt. There's nothing shiny about this. It's falling apart. Oh, they, they, it, there's so much plastic on the front, man. I think I've gone through <laughs> six club shirts by now. Yeah, this was, this was years. to uh, generate s- serious sweat. Yeah. Could rehydrate the planet with the sweat that I'm, uh, I dump out wearing this shirt. I just never noticed. Didn't give a shit. It was like, yeah, I'm wearing Bullet Club. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> the, right, so, the right people know. I, I, was, uh, I was gassing up. At a quick trip, if you're uh, from this part of the country, you probably know what a quick trip is. And um, <clears throat> I just had barely made it out of the place. And some it's hard not to pass judgment on somebody that looks like they looked and the kind of car they were driving. Saw me briefly for a second. She was like, I love your shirt. And I was like, thank you. And I like just pounded my chest and kept going and whatever. <laughs> it's like, you should have done it too sweet. I thought about it, and then I was like, "She's not going to know what that means." But I was. I well, she knows. She knows Bullet Club, then. Ah, people know Bullet Club like they know an Eskimo Joe's shirt or like a Hard Rock Cafe shirt. They don't know what it really means. Yeah, I know, man. Yeah. Well, we have a no lot. Guess. You're going to get all pissed off, but I'm not going to talk about everyone in depth. All right, so we're doing Patriotica from Antarctic Press number one. Thor number six, which it effectively changed our lives. I like how you said that. Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got Star Trek Deep Space Nine, number two, Too Long a Sacrifice, G.I. Joe number seven. Holy shit, was Holy that a fucking good shit. issue. Uh, Savage Dragon number 251, X-Men number 11, Dead Body Road 223, Two number two, Bliss number two, That Texas Blood 223, Spider-Man number 47, uh, we're gonna digest a little before we review the uh, three Jokers that came out uh, this week or last week, actually. My show number one, Daredevil Annual number one. What are you uh, doing? X, X Factor two. You've got like a gun magazine full of stuff. You're just like. I'm only gonna talk about each of them briefly. Uh, the the ones I'm gonna go into uh, are Dead Body Road uh, and That Texas Blood, X Men number eleven, X Men number eleven. Made me feel like a punk bitch that I wasn't wearing a classic <laughs> Magneto was right shirt. Oh man, I wish they'd done those shirts right. I had a Magneto was right shirt that I got in like 2008, 
and it was it was not what I wanted. Like I could have just gone and stencils done cut stencils and like cut out my own magneto was right just like in the yeah. Grant Morrison and spray painted it on my shirt better than anyone ever produced a legit licensed shirt for that. Man, my homeboy Randy has a Magneto was right sticker on his truck, man. Oh my god. I'm gonna get online right now and see who's got one and pay for it. Hey eBay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely something that I, I don't know. Like I, I'm always hesitant because you know it's like I remember like being a shithead. Like yeah, I'm wearing a Deadpool shirt. It's 2005, and y'all don't know what it is. And the people that did, but now it's like ah, I don't like flexing that. That I know comic books better than you, dick, dude. That's it's it's not worth it. Like the the best way I find to approach it because we read so much. Well, you know, nice. I mean, I think if we're well, well past. Magnum we're well read, right? But we're well read. Yeah, of course we are, and I don't think it's snobby at this point to put that on there. If you put that on something, someone's gonna get, someone's gonna know what you mean. Like somebody who likes that is gonna be like, "Oh, okay, uh, that guy's for real." It's not like just having a it's Superman a fun way to make logo it. or a Batman logo yeah. or a Wonder Woman logo on everything or a Deadpool logo. Like, it's just like the Punisher logos anymore. It's just like with a bullet club thing, man. Like when you're wearing that shirt, the right people will approach you, and you just made a new friend. That's what I'm saying. That, like if I that, wear that, a Kiss that, concert that, shirt, anyone I know that I could make a friend out of anyone else wearing a Kiss shirt. I agree. And Magneto was right. You got to know exactly what that what that was because if you don't know. You, and uh, but like, I think the best way I can personify it in words is like when people are like, did you like this comic book movie? My response is usually like, I usually like most comic book movies. There are uh-huh. some I did not like. There are some I did not like. Um, but my response is usually the same. Did you like it? And all I care about is it's getting people to buy more comic books. What, it, name, it, it, name one, one comic book movie you didn't like. Oh, wow. Um, Trying to think of one I did not like. I barely liked X Men: Days of Future Past. Really? I. Wow. I hated. I hated most of Spider Man Three. I despise Spider Man Three. Holy, Uh, I hate it. I can I I can still get through it. I almost can. I almost can. It's just such an unbelievably sour note. To end and a franchise on. I even like like shitty comic book movies, like the original Captain America and the Roger Corman Fantastic Four. I love Roger Corman Fantastic Four. I like Jay Underwood um, in that movie. Oh, I love that guy. We've talked about that before. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't I like Spider-Man Three. I don't like. Uh, um, I really I don't like Captain Marvel, flat out. But that's just because I like. The Dan or the the Don Heck Captain Marvel. I like the original Captain Marvel, and it was such a letdown. Thinking hopefully they're gonna do it this way and kill Marvel by the end of it, and she'll take over. And it just blew it completely off. Uh, it was just yeah. I, I'm I'll have to watch that again sometime. But I, I, I my gothness won't let me 
dislike Captain Marvel because she's wearing a nice nail shirt in that movie. Uh, whether it was oh, picked, not enough picked, to buy me for sure. Picked ironically, I don't give a shit. It, it, it I, I, I can't do that. But uh, let me. Uh... <laughs> wow, I, I did list a shitload of fucking comics. Yeah, it's a stack. All right, let's hit it. Give me one. Let's hit it. Let's do. Let's do. Let's finish with Thor number six and. But let's start with G.I. Joe number seven. Oh, oh that was juicy. Uh, I Man. almost want to violate any rules we have. Let's let's go one one thing at the very beginning of this. All right, let's the do it. The last page of the book has an entire list of websites and organizations and contact information on how to get a hold of veterans relief and veterans like American soldier, veterans, military therapy groups. Um, yeah. There's the Crisis Intervention Support Network, Mental Health Resources, Education and Awareness Resources. I mean, like, it, 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 it's the full gamut. I don't understand what's happening here. Why is this a big deal? Then go to Education and Awareness. You're fucked up, need some help, Mental Health Resources. Uh, you're dealing with a friend or a family member or a loved one that is going through some shit and you don't know how to do it, crisis intervention right there. What a great, introspective, careful way to do this. Uh, why don't you take... Let me read the credits and then you take yeah, okay. point on this one. Yeah, I'll tell you all the little things that I particularly appreciated about this. All right, so G.I. Joe, number seven. A Soldier's Heart. Writer, Paul Allure. Artist, Chris Evan Hewis. Colors, Brittany Peer. Letters... Uh, Neil Uitake. Uitake, who does stuff for uh, Marvel constantly. Yep, and editor Bobby Kernow. Uh, we remember, the last time we talked about JJ was like two episodes ago, and mm-hmm. we were just so gung ho about you know the just the best parts of it from being a kid and then being an adult enjoying it. Um, but guys, this one, it. it I, I really hope this opens some eyelids you didn't know were closed. And uh, what was the first thing that hit you about this one? Let me. I'm sorry. I'm just realizing this for the first time that there are consultants listed: Patricia Watson, PhD, and Peggy Willoughby, APR, U.S. Oh Department of Veterans Affairs, National Center for po- PTSD for Post Traumatic Stress Disorder, and the U.S. Army uh, SFC, Dwayne KL France, uh, LPC. Uh, they clearly, this was a massive, full-bodied, organizational direction to to go this far and say we want to feature these concerns in an episode with a legendary character who's been around since 1982, and uh, and uh, really bring something serious and real to the forefront of our readers. Minds, thoughts, imaginations. What did I think first? I, I really appreciate not sexualizing Scarlet as a character, not sexualizing giving her her real name. Oh yeah, no, totally. I mean, they they really went obnoxiously overboard with her calling Duke Conrad and Connie. His name's Conrad Hauser. I always yeah. remember that from his file card. And, and Scarlett's name is Shauna O'Hara, and she goes by the codename Scarlett O'Hara, which is, of course, a Gone with the Wind reference, because, 
I'm not going to diss Larry Hama for the names he gave anybody. It was just something that made it easy. I mean, you got uh, you got Stan Lee coming up with Slim Summers and Peter Parker and all of these different easy names like that. But like I say, I mean, Scarlett O'Hara here looking, or Scarlett as it were, in her civilian guise, not overly sexualized, as so many comic book females are. This is something that I'm like, I don't know what they're doing. I haven't been reading IDW G.I. Joe for a long time. I have every issue of Marvel G.I. Joe, lots and lots of issues of special missions. Uh, I don't have all of... I feel like it was Image had a four-issue run that got me back into reading... G.I. Joe comics in like the year in 2002 I think 2000 I remember September 11th happening and then just being like God I just need some G.I. Joe and realizing there was a new G.I. Joe book out I, I stopped at a vintage stock in uh, at uh, 71st Memorial in Tulsa years you know in those years and being like holy crap there's a new G.I. Joe book out and that was the launch off point for this so that four-issue run of G.I. Joe back then by Image like lent itself to being able to do this with uh, IDW. I think Top Cow had the title for a while. But, yeah. I mean, this there's a lot of weird stuff going on in this book art- artistically. I couldn't find a theme for color palette or uh, anything like that. Um, they, kick, they kick some ass digitally on the art yeah, in this one. Like, there's a lot of layers. A lot of layers, but the the entire premise is that we've got Scarlet that is now... Uh, she's been benched by G.I. Joe because Duke Connie Congress, has said, yeah. you need to sit down and deal with some shit, and you're not on Joe until you get this done. And... I've had friends that have gone through this where they, they didn't think anything was wrong to get through it together. And then when you, they start breaking down the mental polarity of it switching all the time. Like, like when I say polarity, I mean, like, you know, when they, when they say, like, the polar axis switched and now everything's all wrong. Um, that's basically what she's going through is her head has been, is, has been scrambled. And she thinks she's fine because she's a Joe. But... Duke has said no, 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 no. You got, you got to. We're, we're taking this one day at a time. We, we see her, and I think they really did a good job about integrating like the quarantine aspect of it. What we've all been through for the past like five months now, mm-hmm. of you know being stir crazy, and then finally saying fuck. I guess I need help. But that's all she could admit. And then going and meeting the the guys at the group, and then getting excited to 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 feel better and. And to organize things, even though, you know, she's having nightmares. I mean, like... Yeah, she's having, like, like waking uh, uh, breaks with reality. She's experiencing, like, a recurring situation, throwing her trash in the dumpster, and she doesn't even realize why. And it's because of the sound. When her trash hits the lid and then bounces into the dumpster, it's probably a metal clanging sound. And that's the thing, guys. We haven't been reading this, and we're super screwing up by not doing it. But she's... Uh, so I don't know if there's a parody there. But, um, you know, this is... Like, I, I can only hope that this is the mass... Or the gross total accumulation of PTSD developed over a lifetime. A career military person. Uh, rather than it's just one moment. But she does... 
go to therapy and realize she needs to start record. She needs to record herself talking about this thing that happened to her, and then she's got to listen to it, and then she's got to listen to it, which is weird. And I'm not. I'm not going to compare anything that I've been through in the last couple of years to any kind of actual combat scenario. But right. getting over a relationship recently and just having conversation about relationships on in the background, whether I was really listening to it or not, you you end up realizing, oh my God, yeah, I, uh, I caught something there. And you go back and you listen to that one little bit and then you decide, okay, and then sit up. Like you figure out, that's, that's just something that helped me. When you when you figure out that you've you've actualized something, and then you re-listen to it, and then you metabolize it, and you go from there, uh, you will have learned something whether you meant to or not. Uh, so I think that technique uh, as as a as a possible future clinician really is something that works. Um, just to have it on in the background, just just give it a shot. But then don't forget the monkey wrench because she's getting better. She's getting better. There's that super positive guy that is just like getting everyone amped and everyone just yeah. loves him and he's doing such a good time. And she comes back to group next week and hey, where is he? And they're like, he got the better of him. Yeah. Like he, he the. Let it go. He let him kill. So he killed himself. He killed himself. That 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 hit hard. And and then like the fact that they actually like and I like what you're saying about like not sexualizing her because that is. And most the last comic this book needed. Yeah, most comic books that always sexualize like anything female. Any human female it doesn't matter whether they're supposed to be attractive or not attractive. They go out of control. Yeah, I feel it was. I feel it was more powerful with a woman that is so strong that that you would never expect to, to go through this. And then not only the fact, but like you're you're leaning on your, on your higher ups. Duke is, they're peers, but Duke is still her commander. I mean, like he's, he's, he's a top what sergeant. He says, She's a sergeant. What, what he says goes, what he says mm-hmm. goes, but it like, man, like I remember like, cause we, we always have to worry about who's going to get triggered for whatever is printed. But like, it wasn't a man telling a woman what to do. It was a fellow comrade, uh, a battle buddy. That's the specific term mm-hmm. that said, Hey, I see something you don't. And I need you to listen to me. I'm sidelining you, but it only because I need you to go through this. You're going to be better when you, when you, and it's not, it's not a, and it's not a, it's not a, a fixing thing. He, he didn't say when you fix this. It was more of like when you come through this, when when you get through this, through this, uh, this own mental battle, you're back on shows, man. Like like you're still one of us, but right now we need, we need you to get better. That's the thing and, that I worry about because at the beginning of the book, it says that Duke got gunned down in the streets in a previous issue. Cobra controls the world. Yeah. And all of these characters keep talking about, like, why are we a therapy group and not a resistance? And she, she gets it. She's eventually, when somebody brings that up, she's like, because we're, we're not ready to fight that war yet, and, but we will be. And uh, somebody agrees with her. And so that's the thing. I'm like, what's going on in the world with GI Joe? Like, is Cobra Cobra's taken? Cobra has branched out. That was one of the things. I, and I'm sorry, it's it is on topic and off topic at the same time. But what I I did like was that they were making reference to all of these fictitious com, com, 
tree, countries in the book uh, that we paid a lot of attention to in previous incarnations of G.I. Joe, Trusal Ambicia, Transcarpathia. We recently talked about uh, the, the famous silent issue of G.I. Joe, and that whole thing takes place in Transcarpathia, where Cobra had a major base ruled by Destro. But it's just stuff like that that makes me like really appreciate these guys, uh, this creative team, and paying attention to the the lineage of GI Joe as a franchise. I, it, it's hard it, to take this scene of Night Ravens <laughs> blowing up an aircraft carrier. I, I had to pause in a few different spots in this book. One of those things where I just had to like pause, collect myself, go through what I just read. Just, like, put it on the shelf. Okay, this is part one. Like, I really had to go through, like, part one, two, and three in this book. And uh, I read it twice. It was that damn good. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's, uh, let's move on. Uh, yeah, let's Seth, Guys, if you... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go so far as to say that... I'm sorry, yeah, just one more thing. The last page of this book, like we said, has all of these mental health resources... Crisis interventions, support works, education, awareness resources. Uh, I, I just, I kind of want to copy and paste this and stick it up. And uh, I agree. I, I'll do it on the site. I'll, yeah, I'll do it on the site. I mean, first. I don't care if we get in trouble for reprinting something like this. This is critical to a lot of people's. These are people we respect and love. I didn't serve. I always feel like. Someone's gonna. Ask, people ask me if I served all the time, and uh, and I uh, and I mean I just I I can't thank people enough for going out there and doing what they've done. And and if you're if you're hurting, if this does anything for you, if anything, just 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 find help. Just just reach out to somebody, to anybody. Reach out to us. Anything, man. Like. Yeah. I posted today online because um, uh, my buddy was posting like, hey, you know, we're just doing a brother check. And he posted some personal stuff about himself. I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to do that too. Usually I don't fall f- – I-, I feel those things are like a uh, like a clickbait thing. But I did the same thing too because he opened up like, you know, why not? Because i got a lot of good brothers out there. And I was like, hey, I don't ever talk about it a lot, but – actually at all. But um, you all have seen my scars. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm covered in them. Like I was a bad cutter when I was a teenager and in my 20s and a little bit in my 30s. Um, it's been nine years, I think. But uh, I'd like to think I know a little bit about getting a, a, a little bit more mentally healthy um, than the average bear, especially the ones that have done something stupid uh, or uh, gone a little, not stupid, gone a little too far. Um, man, it, it's a comic book would do this. This is like you know we talk about those things about wrestling when when they when they start you know getting the kids involved and the kids are like I hate you and they you know they they go full heel on the kid and the kids like still like has the the gunners to still stand up to this big wrestler guy because they're not scared like you know they 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 love their dude or but. Or, or a good Spidey story that, like, really hit hammers at home. But this one is I, – I wish I'd have been a fly on the wall for the uh, discussion oh table God, read, like, of, 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 of why they did this issue. And I, I really hope that 
I really hope that the people that did this issue didn't lose anyone uh, for it, but the 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 oh, work man, they put into thought. it. Oh. The 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 work they put into it uh, definitely seems like this is this is homegrown. Well, I mean, like, I'm gonna go ahead and say I just copied and pasted it. I'm posting it on my personal Facebook wall. I don't think anybody can come after me for that. Nah, but it's we're a, doing it. It's an ad. It's an ad. Also, I highly recommend reading the new issue of IDW's GI Joe number seven. There you have it. Well, I'm gonna go into Savage Dragon number two fifty one. Uh, Eric, <laughs> what <laughs> Eric a reversal Larson. of fortunes! <laughs> yeah, by Eric Larson, uh, art everything. Eric Larson writing. Uh, Farron Delgado did letters. Nikos Custis uh, colors. Mike Torres flats. Gavin Hitchenbotham editor and Josh Ikehorn. Lonely Teenage Bouncing Buck. That's his credit on this. Okay, so we'll figure it out. <laughs> it's ambitious art. It's it's not, like, I think Larson is having a lot of fun making some surreal art because things aren't exactly proportional. Like, the, they're proportional the way, like, when you compare, like, a, a perfectly crafted, like, proportional, I saw, like, Chris Evans was standing there naked and I drew him, and that's what <laughs> Captain America is. Uh, he's drawing these guys in some scenes like as if they had made a shitty 80s action figure that barely looked like them. And he switches back and forth, so it's a lot of fun. Uh, we find, like The reason I want to bring this one up is because it's an ambitious story. The original Savage Dragon is dead. Uh, there is a, a multi-dimensional version of Savage Dragon that has the original Savage Dragon's um, memories and as if he was actually him and he's going door to door and introducing himself to everyone. Cause now he's stuck in this dimension and he's got to go talk to the Savage Dragon's kid. And I mean, this was lurid dude. There was some hardcore sex in this. I mean like uh life field esque, uh, <laughs> bad thighs. I mean like, I, I think it's <laughs> a, lot, a lot of fun. Life field esque. But like there was a scene where uh, Savage Dragon Jr. is getting down with his with his horny nympho wife or girlfriend, and she says the right wrong thing, and she gets blasted off of him, like a like a fire hose, <laughs> like in Whoa. like it's yeah like in like in Scary Movie Two if you guys remember that, but it was Disgusting. a lot of fun guys. They're doing a lot of good stuff with Savage Dragon right now, so that's what uh, <laughs> don't. Don't read into it because you want to read some lurid shit. No, there's a lot of great story. There's a lot of great heroism. There's a lot of great exposition between I am not your dad, but I'm kind of your dad because we have the same DNA. I'm basically him from a different dimension, and I'd like to know you. And that's a big deal, especially if I had a Wait, buddy today. I was saying, did he have a son in his home dimension? He did not, actually, and that's a big deal. I appreciate you bringing that up. He did not. There's, There's... There's small key changes here that have some emotional, uh, uh, God, serious baggage, but they, they're not dancing around it. I mean, they're, they're, they're alphas. They're kicking some ass, and it was a lot of fun. I'm, I'm so excited to read the next issue of Savage Dragon. I've probably read maybe like 10 issues of Savage Dragon in my whole life. It, it never hooked me, but this one did. This one. That's uh, that's interesting. I never would have thought uh, 
I never would have thought there would be that much depth in Savage Dragon. <laughs> Either I've been missing out, or he just upped his ante after uh, <laughs> two, two, two fifty. Yeah, after two fifty. Give me some. Uh, give me some Star Trek, man. Oh man, this dude, this Deep Space Nine book. I don't think I've ever actually bought Deep Space Nine comics until now. I think you know what? I got one. It might have been by Malibu Press in way, 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 way back or something. That doesn't honestly make any sense to me. It could have been uh, it could have been DC that had the title, but um, uh, <clears throat> damn yeah. Malibu, that's way back. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Uh, this is Men in Men in Black was Malibu. Oh, really? I don't think I ever got a Men in Black book either. Hmm. George from you said that they were like, like rotting away in dollar bins for like forever until that fucking movie came out. Jeez. Okay. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Uh, oh, okay. by the way, by the way, by the way, before I forget the the. <clears throat> The Iron Line, one of the premier places here in Colorado Springs to buy comics, they posted, Andrew posted, the owner said, because of the anticipated increased demand for Black Panther, anything Chadwick Boseman, we will not be selling any of it. <laughs> like, like, what, what a balls it away? He's like, no. He said, we, we are not going to profit from death for the oh, next couple yeah. of weeks. We for the next couple of weeks, you're not buying anything Black uh, Black Panther because I'm not I, gonna. Dude, I was in a Target last night. And I don't usually shop at Target, but it was there, and I was waiting for food to get done. And I, I went to Target, and I always look at the movies. There's movies I want to watch lately that haven't been out in a couple of years, and I'm just ah, why not? I'll give it a shot. So I'm standing there, and there's Black Panther, and I'm thinking to myself, I kind of want to watch this again, and I've been I wanted to watch it last month, and I didn't pick it up, and now. And I was like, you know what? Somebody want somebody needs Black Panther more than I do, like for real. So I did not buy a copy of Black Panther yesterday. Anyway, Deep Space Nine, too long a sacrifice. Uh, writers Scott and David Tipton, artist Greg Scott. Fascinating, good, interesting job, uh, Greg Scott. Colorist Philippe Sobriero, also really interesting job. Uh, letterer Neil Uitake again and editor Chase Marotes. So to catch you up, this is issue two. A bomb blew up a, uh, a Bajoran restaurant on Deep Space Nine and the fingers are pointing at Quark, the Ferengi bartender who is a series regular. Um, and uh, Constable Odo, who is the station shape-shifting head of security is going around trying to figure this whole thing out. But of course this is in the this is in the time period during the Dominion War when uh, Worf is the Starfleet security liaison. Worf from the nice. next generation. And That's so awesome. They, they, the, the thing is, like, you think about the... This is a, para, a parody. When Worf is on the Enterprise through all of TNG, he's the head of security. Does anything that requires investigation ever happen on the Enterprise? Well, yeah, there's a scientific need, a political need, a diplomatic need for investigation, an engineering need. Rarely does something nefarious happen on the flagship of the Federation. But, yeah, uh, but Orf, it happens. Orf is the first one, 
that wants to investigate a, a military style on yeah. all of those, and he's, he's always denied. So I'm happy to hear about this. Well, Worf is trying to help Odo, and it is totally not within his purview. So, like, one of the first Worf-themed episodes... That's what I liked when Worf joined the cast of Deep Space Nine. They didn't really utilize him outside of the first two-part episode involving him for, like, three or four episodes. So that it wasn't now going to be the Worf show, you know? It was right. that Worf was an awesome cast member. And he... and he, Dude, that's the crazy thing about Worf. He is arguably the most well-developed character in Star Trek. And I'm... And that's, you know... And we keep forcing Spock. We keep utilizing Spock. Like, Spock is a main character on Discovery Season 2. He's, a main, he's the main character of the original series. He finds his way into TNG. He's big time in the movies. Spock, Spock, Spock. All the time Spock. But, like, Worf is the most fleshed-out guy that Star Trek has to offer. And it's interesting because he's, again, the child of two worlds and whatever. Anyway, so he's here trying to help Odo out, but it's still an Odo story. But this is still well-written in that it is a Deep Space Nine story. Every Deep Space Nine character makes an appearance. They have something interesting to say. Maybe it's not even more than an axiom. Maybe it's not even more than, oh no, blah, 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 this is what I was doing at the time. But it's still critical to the story. And, uh, and, uh, there are more murders. There are more seedy little elements happening. It's fascinating because at a certain point you start to wonder, like, how is Odo still in charge of security on this station? Especially when, uh, one of the characters turns out to be, like, a former Bajoran collaborator during the Cardassian occupation who has huge, like, Oscar Schindler-esque type of, and which I'm not saying he was a collaborator, but like type of business dealings going on in the the new Bajoran uh, provisional government. And I'm so following. it's like, huh? Sorry? I said I'm following. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's that's the beauty of Deep Space Nine is that there are so many like monikers to attach to every situation, and like. It also, like, I'm looking at this interesting moment where Major Kira, the first officer of Deep Space Nine, comes in and is like, Odo, you got to do something about this, because that guy was a major Bajoran. We didn't all like him. In fact, a lot of us hated him, but he was still a major guy, and we got to get this settled down real quick. And they have such a relationship, you don't even know how important their relationship is to the series as a whole. And for her to come in and be like, it's crazy because you would never expect Riker to come in and just be like, you know, Captain Picard, we got this major issue and it's important to me because I'm an Alaskan, you know? Like, that would never that? happen on TNG. But on this show, every character has three or four dynamics going on. The intrigue happening in this book is perfect. It is so on par with the series, and I can't believe that anybody that wasn't writing it can really get it so well. I just gotta say, like, it's a major, major thumbs up from me. This is only two episodes in, and what there's a huge montage sequence in the middle of the book where Odo and Worf are going around with some Bajoran deputies, and they're like, 
Oh, random ugly alien. You're part of the problem. Oh, random ugly alien. Uh, why don't you tell me what you know? Deep Space Nine is a gigantic space station. It's not the Enterprise, which is huge. Deep Space Nine is like seven times as big as the Enterprise. So there are a lot of creepy places for people to hide. You know, this isn't Coruscant in uh, Star Wars or anything, but there are nefarious a-holes running around on Deep Space Nine all the time, and Odo has to keep them in check, and he is phenomenal at it. But that doesn't mean that a bombing can't happen like it has or whatever. But my one, my one and only bitch about this issue is that we, we, are, we see Odo illustrated, depicted as holding a, a Bajoran phaser. No. Odo never uses a phaser. Never. Never, ever, ever uses a weapon like that. He never uses an energy weapon. So what was the pers- purpose of them showing something like that in the first place? Regrettably, probably just not not remembering. So I think that was a massive slip-up, an accidental slip-up on their end. Uh, as uh, It was just a continuity flaw in the way that they depicted him. But some of the neat things that did happen was that, okay, he's a shapeshifter. Somebody tried to stab him. And instead of, like, accepting the knife... He opened a big hole in his chest and then closed it around the guy's arm. What a That's great awesome. way to literally disarm somebody. Like, you're, you're done, dude. It's, it's kind of like the T-1000 when uh, he catches the Terminator's arm and pulls it into him and then, like, gets it up into his hands. You yeah. Know? Like, so clever. Like, please, thank you. And the other thing that I really appreciate, too, is that they're usually in Star Trek... You're used to the production design of the show. You're used to whatever show it is, and you're like, oh, yeah, we're limited by what they could build. We're limited by the, the concept. And, it's, and Deep Space Nine has a particular look. It is very different than every other series. It's a dark show. It is filmed dark. The color palette is in gray tones and uh, because of the Cardassians. It's the Cardassian aesthetic. Well... Some of the spaceships that we see... Oh, sorry, what, what about them? I said I fucking hate Cardassians. You're going to love them. You're going to hate them and you're going to love them by the end of Deep Space Nine. They're my favorites. Um, because they're the biggest gray area aliens ever. Like, the Bajorans are not a bunch of... I don't want to get into that right now. Like, it's fascinating because we're used to seeing Deep Space Nine. We're used to seeing runabout pads. And we're used to seeing docking rings. And we're used to seeing, like, Cassidy Yates. We're not seeing her starship unless we're seeing an exterior model shot. We're used to seeing um, just the, the, the ramp up into her ship that's connected. And they're loading crap into it or out of it or whatever. You know? And, but, like, this is a comic book. And we can see Odo disarm somebody like that. And we can see this spaceship that I'm, like, looking at and I'm going, there's nothing Star Trek about that at all. Look at all this exposed ductwork and these two-toned things, and there's, like, a gigantic graffiti concept on the outside of it that is obviously, like, an alien, like, scrawl to say what the name of the ship is. And you're, it looks like Slave One at, in, 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 at Bespin in, in The Empire Strikes Back, and I'm looking at it and I'm going, even the background doesn't even look like normal. And I'm going... This looks more like RoboCop than anything else I've ever seen on Deep Space Nine. 
why wouldn't it look like this? This is a great idea. So I really, I gotta say, the guts that they had to jump outside of regular, obvious Star Trek continuity, I really appreciate it. Uh, And Deep Space Nine continuity, for that matter. Um, I love these Ferengi guys. There's a whole sequence in here where Major Kira has to go see a Ferengi diplomatic contingent, and she's just so loathing the whole idea. And uh, they all get poisoned. And it's, it's just kind of funny and tragic at the same time. I, I just got to say, this is a gutsy, interesting story. The, the, the criminal minds, like the, the procedural cop drama is so well done. I, I've never liked the Deep Space Nine book until this one. Uh, and, it's, you know, and Deep Space Nine has been around since 1993, guys. So, way to kick some serious tail. This is really good. IDW always knocks it out, man. There's never, I've never read a bad IDW book. I'm starting to, I'm, I'm about to say that, I, I pretty much could say the same thing. I'm about to say that, like, IDW is carrying the sword. When I was a kid, I used to play this game, and I've mentioned this in the past. It's called, this, called uh, The Final Conflict. And, or it was called Conflict, and you play the Israeli premier, and you're surrounded by Islam, Islamic countries that want to do you in, and you either have to, like, fight a war to destroy them, to cripple their regimes, or you've got to, like, use insurgencies to start riots that cripple their regimes. And, like, whenever you've done a good job, one of these countries will be like, we are carrying the sword of Islam now. And that was just a metaphor for, like, we are the country that is still who we always set out to be. And I like that, I like that metaphor. IDW is capable of carrying the sword of comics, like being the leader in comics one day. Because their licenses, they're doing such a good job with their licenses. Ghostbusters, we have repeatedly said how good that is. And here we are with Star Trek. They're, they're knocking it out of the park with all of their Star Trek licenses. I, I just I can't get over how good IDW stuff is. And we're just talking about G.I. Joe a minute ago. What the hell? Like Even their Power Rangers books are good, man. Do they have any Even, titles that aren't licenses? Yeah, they've got a few, but like it's it's it it always falls through the cracks, but because uh, you've got a choice between this that you know, and then you know it's going to be good. Like, man, oh, you know what, man? I can't think of one IDW title that is, like, not retro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are, they, are they the ones that do My Little Pony? I think they're the ones that do My Little Pony, too. Uh, you know what? Hey, why not? Totally, why not? I mean, I bet they could take... I bet they could take a... Po- they, could, they could take, a co- like, a concept story that has no characters like Hot Wheels and make a really good comic book out of Hot Wheels. You know? I bet they could pull it off. Give them Thundercats. Give them uh, Masters well, of the Universe. Well, uh, they, I think they were the ones that were doing the Masters of the Universe uh, Eternia story that we read. Where, yeah, uh, don't, uh, don't they have the whole Hasbro-verse concept? Or was that DC? No, that was no, DC. No, it wasn't DC. Was oh. Wildstorm? No, well, Wildstorm <laughs> is gone. Wildstorm yeah. got bought out by DC Sorry, when, when Jim when Jim Lee uh, defected to DC, and now he's like one of the main, he's like the top CEO pretty much for the comics. But um, Wildstorm did an amazing, and I think I mentioned it before, uh, Thundercat series back in like 2002 or three. Uh, Ed McGinnis was drawing it. It was gorgeous. It was it was 
it was action packed. It was everything I'd want. Yeah, I think I, I completely remember that. Can you see that? I'm looking as hard as I can. <laughs> yes. it to you. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> sorry guys. Sometimes there are things we just don't share with you when we text each other in the middle of these things. But um, yeah, I remember there being a killer Thundercats. That was. I, I feel like it was Wildstorm. It was so well drawn. It, it, was, it, it I gotta say, it, it was, was extreme. It was wild. It was wild. Yeah. Some of the Thundercats. Trust it was me. extreme, but Thundercats deserves to be extreme. I think uh, when you go back and look at all that Saban uh, imagery in the opening credits, it's extreme, and uh, and it really really sells because it's so much movement and it's just you know it's that fish lens fish eye kind of concept on like exploded chest and abs and muscle. Man, I just love hearing you go off on Star Trek. It, like, it makes it so much more enjoyable. Like, cause like I'm about, all right, which one should I start next? Cause I just, cause I finished next generation. What do I do next? Wait, you finished next generation and you didn't tell me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, what, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What was the last episode of TNG you watched? Them playing them playing cards at the very end. What? How Sorry. could you not tell me that? Uh, I apologize. Uh, when did this happen? Minefielders, like last week, man. <laughs> what was I doing? Clearly I was at work. Oh my God. You're, Joshua. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What did you think of how the show ended? I cried like multiple times because I know I knew what was coming and uh, obviously I got to watch a movie next, but even then um, they're all in the, I think they're all on Hulu right now or they're on the CBS app, but um, yeah, sorry about that. But what do I do next? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You could have started watching deep space nine simultaneously with uh, TNG round about the middle of the sixth season, I guess. All right, so Deep Space Nine X. Guys, he's legit pissed at me right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just astonished. I'm not really pissed. I'm just like, what? Like, I can't believe you didn't... I was just talking... Okay, my ex-girlfriend called me. You know her. Uh, Called me this weekend. Uh, She's going through a lot of problems in her family. And... um, she always, she, she asked me, you know, about a mutual friend of ours I met through her. And I was like, oh, yeah, he watched Deep Space Nine. And um, I was saying, oh, yeah, I got to call him uh, because I've got, oh, here it is, in fact. I've got my favorite moment in Deep Space Nine in a trading card right here. Look at that. You see that? Oh, it's beautiful. I'm so glad you got it, man. You were so pumped. You know, that well, was the whole purpose. This isn't well, the, not the Spock, This isn't the, the first Spock officer spot card. Now, okay, so this is the card from the, the game called Four Cardassia. And uh, it's just, it's my favorite moment in Deep Space Nine. Because Damar is my favorite Star Trek character. Because he comes from such an horrific, like circumstance and becomes such an amazing guy and uh you can just see this world that would have existed um if things had gone another way and it all circles around that character but i have one one version of this card that was signed by casey biggs who played him and i have another version of the card that isn't 
And when my friend Kyle finished watching Deep Space Nine, he revisited it. He live streamed the whole episode to me through texting. He called me about halfway through the seventh season. He's like, is this what it was like for you when you watched it the first time? I was like, yeah, it totally was, man. I mean, I knew everything was coming to an end. You wanted more and you didn't want it to end, but you wanted it to be awesome. And every episode was more awesome than the last. And you get to that last epic episode and you're like, holy shit, so many things. Uh, and it, it's not like any other Star Trek you're ever going to watch. But anyway, yeah, I got that card. I found that card in uh, in some of these boxes I've been opening lately, and i got to send it to him. So that's that's happening this week. He'll be very excited to get that. But, uh, yeah, I should start watching Deep Space Nine. Oh, my God. Well, mm. he's legit pissed at me, guys. I'm not uh, pissed. I'm, I'm just at... astonished. Astonished. Oh. I'm beside myself and flabbergasted. It, well, it was over, like, I, I finished most of them uh, over my birthday week, mm-hmm. uh, the, that first couple days, like, I was helping out with mom, but, um, yeah, like, we, we were in completely different places, and one of the things you guys have to understand is, I had to explain this to my uh, ex-girlfriend when she met Colin, when she met Colin, like, her and I were pretty serious, and I warned her, uh, but not, like, in a shitty way, like, Hey, you're about to meet a guy that means way more than me, way more to me than you. Uh, it was more of a like, him and I can communicate telepathically. Yeah, and yeah, she you. was like, I, she was like, I believe you. And like this morning, I was literally picking up my phone to call you, and you called. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're calling out our hive mind. We're, we're best friends. Like it's not a gimmick that we're we always introduce that way. Like this guy, like, like I John Q myself for him. Um, but keep it. Uh, keep, be careful. I, be careful. You've, you've got you've got the boy. I need your left nut right now. Uh, pretty big. <laughs> I don't think it'll fit. No, it's, it's just it's not pretty big because they're naturally big. I've just been abusing my body pretty hard this past week. It's just okay. a little full and tender. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. I'm gonna go the machine gun sound. The mind is willing, but the body is. <laughs> Is weak is and frail. Weak and, yeah, well, is like soft, is bruised and spongy. What a Death class, by great moment. Ah! Yeah, yeah. Be right, gentle, sure. me first time. Um, all right, so two, number two. Uh, written by original uh, writer John Lehman. Written and lettered by him, actually. Drawn by Dan... Uh, Boltwood. Okay, so it's good, but it's wait until the graphic novel comes out good, but even then, thumb through it beforehand. The thing about this book is that the legendary run of Chu with uh, Gilroy and Lehman cannot be topped unless both of them are on it at the same time. Uh, Mr. Dan uh, Boltwood is doing his damnedest, but a lot of the luster is gone uh, from reading a Chew book. And so it's not C-H-E-W, it's C-H-U. It's, it's one of Tony, it's one of the, the, the original, the main character of Tony Chew. Um, it's, his, it's his sister, and we're dealing with Siva paths, we're dealing with whatever paths in terms of whatever special power they have. It's, it's, it's a fun read, but it's not, it's, it's lacking Gilroy. 
Yeah, but he's doing farm. He's doing farmhand right now. But it is a perfect example of what happens when two guys that should always be working are not working together. So take hope. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I want Dan to succeed. I don't want him to be the guy that was like that started out doing shit as a like favor puff job until he got what he wanted. I hope he gets what he wants. Uh, it's it's. But I, I don't think he would disagree um, because I'm not hating on his art. His artwork is phenomenal in this. Like, don't get me wrong, <laughs> but th- there's a whimsical quality Gil- to Gilroy where there's like eight million things happening in every panel that is like legit laugh out loud. Like, you know, when you text someone LOL, like, did yeah. you actually laugh out loud? Uh, no, Gilroy's art is legit laugh out loud. There's a lot of fun things. It, it's it's a little bit of a throwback. Uh, Bliss number two, I ranted and raved about the first issue. Issue number two did not let me down. I'm, I, I want to do a breakdown of like the first six issues when they come out. Uh, under no circumstances sleep on this book. Let me pull it up here. So we've got Bliss number two. My God. Credits. Story, Sean Lewis, art, Caitlin Yarsky. She actually liked our uh, post. I was like, hey, we're reviewing this. We love it. We love it. Uh, so I'm gonna reach. I'm gonna. I'm gonna reach out to her. Uh, did not disappoint. Escalates father-son relationship. Doing what you got to do. I mean, it's got a little bit of a Heisenberg quality to it. Really. In terms of, yeah. Uh, it. But I'm not gonna go too far into it because I don't want. I, I really want everyone to thoroughly enjoy this. Maestro number one. I mentioned last week or week and a half ago that the they, they reprinted uh, Future Imperfect. Um, if you slept on that, I'm sure it's still on the shelf, or you can find you can find like an old school like trade paperback of like a it's basically three issues like in one, but they reprinted the they reprinted the how Maestro started as opposed to just getting introduced to Maestro. So guys, don't sleep on it right now. Uh, obviously, we're gearing up for a big Maestro story. I really hope it like bleeds into the actual pages of Incredible Hulk, um, Spider-Man number forty-seven. I can't believe they're making a Sin Eater comic book be so goddamn introspective. And that's all I'm going to say on that one. Like, <laughs> you, you'll get you'll get caught up. I remember, like, who's this guy again? I'm like, wait, wait, that, that's... I always think of Mil Blonsky because that's the guy that fucked with... Fucked yeah. up uh, and ruined... Uh, well, no, 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 no. Is it Mil Gregg or something like that? Uh, Emil Blonsky was the abomination. I mean, Mil Gregg, yeah. something like... Uh, he was the the fake uh, sin eater. They're kicking ass with the sin eater. Do not sleep on this oh. book. Uh, right. X Factor X Factor number two, guys. Everyone that's writing it right now, um, it came off as some hipster bullshit, and it was really convoluted. And you <laughs> used all this, you used all this slang, and, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to fucking like Urban Dictionary for this shit. This, the other thing is, is that I can't judge a book that's two stories in before they actually finish the story, but you've got a lot of work to do, and I really hope it pays off, but it's coming off as some hipster fucking bullshit. Um, I'm done. <laughs> that, the, those are the ones I wanted to breeze through, like, uh, that were worth it, but at the same time, oh, I'll, also Cable, number three, or is it number two? I think it was number two. Uh, yeah, best utilization of Deadpool in probably 10 years since Daniel Way was working on it. 
What was that story we read in the last couple of years where Deadpool and Rove were running around and uh, Deadpool got the crap kicked out of him? He was a distraction, basically, and he knew he was being used as a distraction. He was on the verge of death. Been. Was that part of Uncanny Adventures? Feels like it might have been, yeah. I got I got to reread that whole run. It was so chopped up, and it's sort of those things that now that it's all out, you can just read it in one fell swoop. I think that's what I'll do around Thanksgiving. Just read Uncanny Avengers. Such a damn good series. It was Great a damn good series. Great color tones. The palette was really, really good. Uh, it just felt like there were all of these dead characters. I don't remember as much about it as I should. Yeah, it was post AVX, wasn't it? So they were like, there has to be an X Men team that's Avengers. It it, it was absolutely post AVX. Yeah, and right when the whole onslaught thing came back in, and with the Red Skull. Oh man, yeah. Was that Axis? It was Axis. Was miserable. It was, it, I hate Axis. That was terrible. It was pretty bad. It's so bad. If you're going to make the bad guys the good guys for a while, I hope it's because all of the good guys are immobilized or dead. I just want the storyline <laughs> where the bad guys are the only ones capable of saving the world for some stupid reason. Or even a good reason. I'd take a good reason for that. Any but, reason whatsoever to just enjoy a good comic book. I mean, for real. Uh, New Avengers, Illuminati, when Doctor Doom and... Uh, I don't know if it was the Cabal necessarily, but like Submariner or like, yeah, we're the ones who can save the world because we're the ones who will do it. Even though the, the repercussions are just enormously horrible. Awesome. That's how we got the Secret War. That's how Doom became God Emperor Doom. So good. Anyway, whatever. It's it can it can definitely be strenuous, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What, what do you got next, brother? Um, okay, I'm gonna do this horrible book I read. Okay, years ago, I used to read Antarctic Press because they got the license for Robotech for a while. <clears throat> and I just saw this and I thought, okay, I'll check this out. Uh, just also because I'm doing so much with Soviet Union people, real people from the Soviet Union, I just thought, okay, well, this sounds vaguely Russian. Maybe this will be, and it's a number one, why not? Patriotica. Uh, it was terrible. Um, that's what I'm going to say. Story you've by... You've never said it. you never said a book was terrible. It was bad. So it must have been... Um, you know what? In the end, the problem is that I can still find things that I like about it. But as a whole, this book is going nowhere. It's not worth the money. It's not going to last. They would have to come back. This is like... This is like... Hey. This is like Johnny Cash in Walk the Line. Uh, you're in here in a recording studio. This ain't going to go nowhere. Wait, why not? Why not? We're giving you all we got. No, you're not. You got one shot. This is your one, one shot. One goddamn shot. And these guys decided that it was more important for them in their one shot to have goofy marketing names rather than put themselves out there. Story by Ron Z. Art by Antipas. Colors by Candace Han. And lettering by Keith Perkins. Like... This is, this is what you're going to do, guys. You're going to come out and be like, this, I don't know. All right, so my, my, this is my bitch about it. Uh, it came out June 2012, 2020, rather. Um, I just thought, I looked at it because of the title. I was like, oh, Patriotica. And then the cover. 
enormously, a overly, over-the-top, busty, blonde chick in a revealing Captain Dude, America costume. And I was like, oh. they did. Okay. They did the same thing with Bomb Queen, the newest issue of Bomb Queen number one. It was just a big set of tits, and I yeah. I got like two pages into it, and I'm like, why did I buy this? And then it yeah, was exactly. just it's the same thing. First first panel, first page, giant giant tits with like windswept hair, and I was like, okay, okay, you know, not the t the tits weren't hairy. I'm just saying. I'm sorry if you don't like the word tits. Um, just. It's rack after rack after rack. And then this other weirdness where there's like, there's this, so this, there's this character whose name we don't even get. And it's, it's trying to be all mysterious. Like it's setting itself up where you're going to find out the little things that you have to know trickled across. I don't have, a, I have a problem with the formula. I have a problem with the narrative. I have the problem with the flow. Those are my complaints. I don't like, I like, I love hits, dude. Here, seriously, giant rack. I love it. But like, Give me the information for the for the for the story that's gonna you're setting up a story here, guys. And so there's like a giant person that's a giant okay. woman who's KO'd in the water. And I'm like, is she floating? Is she not being submerged by the water because she's or she's not floating on top of the water? Like it's I, like I actually got pulled out of it because the science doesn't make any sense. There's an aircraft carrier with burning jets on it, and there's burning boats. And it's like some enormous, horrible event has taken place, and it killed somebody, some woman who's gigantic, and there's these burning boats around her. And the blonde chick has flown into this and is like, oh, my gosh, I barely made it through a portal. Oh, my gosh, they fought off the A of the invasion or the invasion, but how did they do it? Oh, my gosh, this person is dead. And an ally of such power, and it's it's just like really really cheesy lines, and then she you, like, you, huh? Well, what's what's sticking out to me right now is as if because I remember when I was talking to because uh, uh, Belanger and I, Andy Belanger and I are buddies, and mm -hmm. him and I have talked quite extensively the past couple of years about comics, and getting your uh, comic made into a movie is basically a big a big focal point in the comic community right now yeah, okay. uh, for the past couple of years. So basically this person wrote this hoping to get Cinematic, Michael, uh, right? uh, what's, what's that asshole that blows shit up all the time? Michael, what's his Michael name? Michael Bay, yeah. Mm -hmm. My, it, it sounds like the, this guy was trying, or Gal was trying to get Michael Bay's attention because this sounds fucking stupid. It, <laughs> it, it, what I, I'm not going to say that if I saw this on screen, like this would be on par with... Uh, like a fourth-rate Hancock, you know, or something like that. Hancock is not a bad movie. I like Hancock. It just doesn't. I'd say have it's the, about a B. It doesn't have the flow. There's things about Hancock that I go back to in my head over and over again that makes it a compelling thing that's worth watching. Like, which is crazy because Charlize Theron is starring in a movie that's virtually identical to the concept behind that right now, an immortal super character. Um, as if she hasn't done that before. But then, so yeah, this is my complaint. I'm like, we're looking at, okay, here's the tits. Here's another set of tits. Here's the same set of tits, bigger and closer. And then, and then the next page, you flip the page, and the, the chick who was gigantic has been shrinking, and we don't even have any idea. There's no, there's no concept of scale. 
Like, she's gigantic with an aircraft carrier next to her in one panel, and then in, the, in a few panels later, she's been flown out of the water and landed on a beach, and while she appears to be gigantic, there's just no concept of scale, and there's this gigantic right. ass in our face. And who's to complain about that? But, like, is this dead woman shrinking or what? And then the blonde girl absorbs her power, and then it cuts to this trio of characters who are very um, Melrose Place. Uh, you've got this tiny little blonde girl, and you've got this kind of buff guy, and you've got this, like, sulky, pouty redhead. And they're ill-placed. It's like they're walking around on Venice Beach or something like that. And uh, they're, like, they're going at it after each other about how they just went and bought some pepper. Like a pepper. Like a hot pepper. And this girl's like, oh, I'm going to bite the pepper or whatever. Like, this is some kind of clever sequence. And I feel like this guy just pulled from his real life. Like, we're going to pick on the tiny girl who wouldn't ever eat this thing. And Anyway, so the, for some stupid reason, the blonde superhero has to absorb or be absorbed into the little blonde girl on the beach. And, this is retarded. And then there's <laughs> this wraith that comes out of the sky that is after her. And she's like, no, you have to use your powers. I have to train you. And it's just like, well, I've seen that a million times. And so then the, the little blonde girl gets bigger and stronger and tougher. And it's like weeks later. And it's like, I don't understand the dynamic between the three of them. Like, why are they friends? Are they friends? Uh, the red-headed girl is pissed at her the whole time. And it's obvious that the, the blonde superhero should have gone into the redhead for her, like, savagery or some shit like that. And then it's like, and then it's just, hey, here's some more giant tits. It's just, it's just, the person, okay, the artist clearly, clearly kicks ass at drawing human forms and understands musculature and the inking is really good and the, the coloring is phenomenal like there is a lot to be said these people understand comic book art everything is dynamic and the extreme things are extreme without being outrageous and uh, I mean there's just some good aspects to this even some of the panels the panel display is really really good but then the penciling gets a little inconsistent, and uh, it's just, I don't know. It's, and then suddenly there's a gigantic bug invasion, like bigger than tanks, and they're unbelievably strong and shit like that. And the blonde girl goes to fly away, and she decides that, and she gets shot at by the American military, so she decides to change her uniform to something really patriotic, <laughs> but still with the giant bustier and all this shit. And it's just like, I don't, and then a second later, these two Egyptian gods show up out of nowhere. It's very just wacky and all over the place, and uh, I don't see this going anywhere. In the end, I was like, hey, you know, these guys have written more of a comic than I've ever been able to finish, and it's at least published. Somebody wanted to publish this. I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's very, it's totally droll. I, I think I've got a really good metaphor for it, okay, and please. this this is something only DJs would understand. So you've got <laughs> your you you got your accomplished DJ that is DJing. There's the the songs that they're picking are all in the same key 
or in, in a complementary key because they, they are either pitch perfect or they've got some sort of software that will let them know what, what key the song is in. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're picking the transitions in the most logical or surprising way. And then you've got these bedroom DJs that got booked because they knew a dude who knew a dude. And they're going to force feed everything they think is good to you in a very unaccomplished manner. Like, all of these songs m- might be good. Like, you got some tits, you got some fighting, you got some giant bugs. Uh, and they <laughs> think what, 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 what they feel is good is what you're going to feel is good. And they're not going to pay attention with, to what, how the crowd is going to react or learn their craft. In a, yeah, in a in a that way sense. that that would in a way that would uh, appease them as an bless you as Super an artist right. or or no I understand man mm-hmm. I think it's like that like they've got the heart they they definitely have the heart from what you're telling me but it sounds like they're they're I mean there's jamming all your favorite shit into one thing always usually ends up good but if you didn't think it out first. Um, your transitions might be sloppy. Um, there's going to be holes in plot. Yeah, it, it happens. I so feel like the concept this... is what's important to them, and they found an illustrator who was totally capable of getting it across. Um, and it's like, were they sitting there going, "Let's jam tits in everybody's face"? No, they were just like, "This character needs to be hot," and so hot to Gotta them be means. Hot. Over the top, busty, blonde, muscly chicks who are like seven foot tall. Now, I don't have a problem with that. We want some brazzers. Dude, yeah. I mean, we like, want some brazzers. Throw that at me, this. and I'm not going to say no, but <laughs> that's not taxi. the only reason I want to. Yeah. You know, I mean, we live in an internet age where we can get off in five to 15 minutes for free online. So why do I got to spend $4 on your, your TNA book? that has a terrible, inconsistent, implausible, silly-ass plotline. I mean, this isn't the 80s. This isn't even the 90s, okay? This isn't Jim Lee, Jubilee, and Rogue, okay? Like, well, I, I, I don't want to stop them. And I, I don't want to stop them in their quest. Like, they're, they're more published comic-wise than, than yeah, we are. That's but at sure. the same time, though, guys, hone your craft. We... Yeah. <laughs> I'll we'll give you the chance. Like yeah, come we're back not with something awesome. Like I will read it. Just 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 make it awesome. I Shit, hope this man, isn't your one shot. Savage Dragon was pretty brutal, <laughs> but it was it was bad. Like in a B horror movie way, like the way Wes Craven's Swamp Thing was good. Like mm-hmm. like did you ever see that? Like we've got the heroine running away in the in the swamp, and her tits are just bouncing out of control. Just well, for a solid I don't know. minute. There's something about that. <laughs> you talking about the one that was uh, the '80s swamp thing? Yeah, the one Wes Craven did, man. Like it wasn't the best it. horror movie in the world, but it was still it was still good in a bad way. I mean, like you're, you're I used to watch guys. That when it was on. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to whack my uh, microphone. I was swatting at a bug. No, it was on USA, man. It was late at night, man. But um, can I, I want to talk about that Texas Blood number two uh-huh. and three, and also Dead Body Road two and three at the same time. Let me pull that up. 
Let's see. So the creative team on, on Dead Body Road, which is uh, actually like basically a part two. There's a story. Uh, I still need to find them to get caught up. Justin Jordan, writer. Benjamin uh, Tiesma, artist. Matt Lopez, colorist. Uh, Pat Brosau, letterer. Uh, Mateo Scalera and Monero Denicio, cover. Uh, John Mosian did the uh, did the editing. This is for Skybound out of Image, and then oh, we're okay. gonna do that Texas. God, where are you? That Texas Blood. The let's see here, finding the credits. So that Texas Blood, like the 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 the, the titles, like uh, issue number two that I'm looking at right now. The title of it is A Brother's Conscience. A conscience and it's by Chris Condon Condon C-O-N-D-O-N-N with a Nancy and Jacob Phillips uh, variant covered by Duncan Figueredo okay so this these two books I, I want to say are Texas Noir and I'm going to invent that word right now these books are both told in desert scenarios with people whose past is excessively catching up to them in an extremely violent manner. Uh, and that Texas blood, it, it's, it starts out with the main sheriff, small town. Uh, I'm digging it. And I mean, like, I love the small town mortality, uh, mentality on this sort of thing, but his a friend of his basically just blew his brains out in a truck. This guy that he was just not the, it was not his favorite person. And the brother shows up. Uh, and two and three is him dealing with the repercussions. We're talking, he gets back to town and his ex-girlfriend, like he's, he's, he's at a diner and the girl that's serving him was like, you don't remember me, do you? And he's like, I'm sorry, I don't. And she's like, of course you fucking don't, you piece of shit. I mean, she just lights him up. You're not in the, and then they're bringing him his food and she slaps it out of the woman's hand. Like he ain't fucking eating here. And he looks over and he sees this woman peeking from the back and ex-girlfriend that, you know, imagined a life with him, you know, like a real sweet, sweet girl. And, you know, it, he just wasn't about it. He was pretty much like the, the little brother lackey to his big brother who just blew his own brains out. And he might be a suspect. And, and then when, when we flash forward to uh, dead body road, we're talking about a woman who has a past that everyone knows who the hell she is. And this woman is a bloody beef uh from fucking kill bill assassin i mean she is popping like she is thinking of things before these assholes know what hit them i mean they're like well we got to be careful uh you know i'm just gonna flip this light on and then boom heads off like and they think she's out in the pasture no she's she's already on the roof we're talking fast cars we're talking desert roads we're talking meet up with a guy in the middle of the desert and, and you're probably not going to live from it. Like you remember in casino when, uh, uh, Pesci meets up with fucking, uh, Robert, um, Bobby, uh, De Niro. Here? Taxi driver, De Niro. Mm -hmm. And we're talking that sort of showdown, like a, a war of words. These two books, like, uh, they, they perfectly complement each other. Like, again, I'm going to say it again, like Texas Noir. We're talking dirt roads, fast cars, hot chicks, a lot of drinking, a lot of fighting. But we're talking intricate bloodlines that go back years. And 
I'm in love with these books, man. Like I love these almost as much as I love that uh, the the something's killing the children. I know, which is probably my top three right now. Um, that's pretty much all I got for those books. But I just want you to think about that sort of thing, uh, loyal MFers or uh, minefielders, <laughs> when you're reading this book. Um, like it, it's like a new type of western. I like the, the, the idea way you enjoy of that. There's something about yeah, noir Texas noir really makes sense as a concept. You go back and think about those scenes in Kill Bill when they're when the sheriff has got all the sunglasses on his on his dashboard and going in to investigate that murder spree and the the wedding chapel and all of that. That's exactly the kind of thing that that sells. There's a certain seedy devil's rejects mystery element. Some kind of Hotel California even. That all Dude, you're you're absolutely you you are absolutely correct and I'm totally standing by my my coinage of Texas noir. You are absolutely correct. The the yeah. way uh something thousand miles from Graceland was. We're talking oh, yeah. like des- like that'd be uh, no that was in Nevada, but even then we're talking desert noir. It's it's we're talking cowboys and Indians on this motherfucker, man. Like it is it's 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 something that only adult an adult would understand, but if a kid read it, they would take those things that it would scare them. Are impl- and, and it would scare them, but they would like uh, it, it would confuse them no matter how much yeah, of a moral compass would. they had. How much of a moral compass they had, but it like not that I would want to feed these comics to some kids, but I would definitely be interested in how, who they thought was the good guy because you- there's. I, I'm sorry. I like what you're saying about that, though. No, I'm sorry. Carry on. Who's the good guy? Who's the good who guy? Who is the... Who's the good guy? And it's it's hard to decide. Uh, that Texas blood, the, the, the younger brother shows up. He's obviously... He used to be a big piece of shit. And he's already cheating on his wife who, you know, wished him well, despite the fact he refuses to tell him why he has to go back it didn't even tell her that his fucking brother was dead. <laughs> like, he didn't even tell her that, and she's supporting him, and he, the first thing he does is he gets in trouble and then fucks his old girlfriend, man. Like, mm. it, 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 who's, the, who's the good guy in these in these books? Because we've got heroin B. Uh, that's, that's not her name in the books, but that's always just because she's so that badass in these things. Like, um, the concept, who's the good guy? And I, I think that should be something that like we should put on like flyers or stickers or something like that who's the good guy because like i always cheer for the heels man i mean duke and gi joe were cool but man cobra commander was way fucking more badass man oh it's just a difference every yeah that was always a thing that i remember liking about gi joe comics was that the villains were so much more interesting than the joes but uh oh I like that. If you guys are wondering about this concept, you want to see it developed in further detail, I would highly recommend watching all four seasons of uh, Justified. Um, oh, Timothy Olyphant. Hell yeah. That guy's one of my favorite actors. Oh, I mean, I'm not going to say... I mean, he did an, an amazing job on that show, but Walton Goggins... We got Walton Goggins. We got Walton Goggins and that son of a bitch. Every Hell time. yeah. Every time. Walton Goggins. 
the guy you can't it's that you're going to appreciate that about Gold Ducat on Deep Space Nine. Uh, Mark Alamo playing Gold Ducat on that series is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he the good guy? Is he the worst bad guy? What is going on with this guy? You're going to wonder that so often, so often. It that that and that's that's not even a western. I mean, it is a western. It's 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 uh, the rifleman in space. But um, yeah, man. Uh, wow, wow. That's a genre concept, man. It really is, man. I can and, I, I, and I, I fucking, I fucking love it. There I needs love to be westerns. Sugar, sugar skulls, and there needs to be. Dude, did you ever, did you ever read any Tony Hillerman novels? Oh, absolutely. Dude, when I was a kid, my mom. I, how have we home. never talked about that before? I don't know. We used to, we used to go on long trips. My family, we'd ride and drive across country. And my mom would check one out from the library, a uh, an audio book. We play the cassettes, and we were all into it. And I'm like, a lot of times when I was a kid, I didn't necessarily care what my parents were making us listen to in the back of the van. But like, when it was a Tony Hillerman novel, we were like, yeah, this is cool, you know, this is really, really something. We must have listened to four or five of those books. I had to go back and revisit those. They're fascinating. Hmm. Uh. I want to get back to Magneto was right. Let's, uh, let's touch on that briefly. X- X-Men 11... Jonathan Hickman, writer. Lanille Francis Yu, artist. Sonny Go, art, mm-hmm. co- color artist. VCs Clayton Cowles, letterer. Tom Mueller, design. Um, okay, so this book is the best X-Men book since the revival with uh, Powers and House. Mm-hmm. We're talking... Okay, so imagine a book that is propagandist yet telling the truth at the same time. So we're getting dossiers that are heavily redacted. Uh, redacted. Mm-hmm. Like, even we as the reader are not allowed to see certain things in the a report to the Quiet Council from the Captain Commander. We don't know who that is. They weren't really... Huh. Okay. Because we get, we get these dossiers from Beast, who I sincerely believe is actually Dark Beast uh, in disguise and real Beast, because Dark, Beast is doing some... Uh, some fucked up shit in all the books and the way he's justifying it is telling me that this is obviously Dark Beast in disguise because last time we saw Dark Beast was getting destroyed um, in that uh, random hidey hole that the X-Men with Wolverine and Cyclops reunited were you know were, were hiding out at before we got House and Powers of X okay <clears throat> where it starts out with Exodus Exodus um, if I don't know how savvy you are about Exodus, Exodus was like basically Magneto's most militant follower. Uh, of uh, the acolytes had nothing in terms of faith and love and devotion, and blind, not blind. Tell me what it, what I got to do. You're Magneto. I don't give a shit. He's got these young mutants sitting uh, around a campfire, and he's like, "Let me tell you a story about heroes. This just happened the other day, and let's talk about it." And, and the kids are like, uh, "What do you fear?" And they're 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 rap- they're they're standing off. We do not fear death. We fear men and those like him. Just look at the world they have made. Exodus says, "And who's the hero?" And we're, this this is a tie into uh, Empire, mm-hmm. and 
the shithead aliens are trying to land in Krakoa. And Magneto immediately is looking at... He's, they wake his ass... They wake his hung ass over up. And he's looking at his uh, bits of armor. We're looking at the purple. We're looking at the white and the black. Uh, from next to black, if you guys remember that one. It was really good. And we gotta go kick some ass. Well, he's meditating, but he's... I always assume he's hungover, because they always come, like, kind of drinking... <laughs> he's, yeah. he's floating there and like we gotta go kick some ass and we got we got Alanya you know just just sounding off and and we're the, we're gonna have some casualties and he's like you know that's gonna <laughs> I, I I might even dress for the occasion and we've got Magneto back in classic you know the crimson and, and the the violet and it's a full scale invasion on Krakoa we're talking these fucking plant assholes are think that they are this is an easy kill and magneto he's taking his helmet helmet off periodically to communicate with everyone while one of the cuckoos is holding his head and he's organizing uh a volcanic eruption to shit out a bunch of fucking like like metals out into the sky that land and he's got Iceman freezing them so they freeze in you know their their perfect shard like essence Mm-hmm. And then he raises up to their ship, and we've got a, uh, a one-on-one, mano-mano. We see, we see, uh, God, we see Toad just get ripped to shreds in this, man. And you got to remember that all the bad guys are now not really good guys, but they're living in, in harmony for as long as, they can, as long as this can last. And the, the main commander is like, I'll kill you. He's like, you, he's like, you, really, you don't want to do this, friend. And he's like, yeah, I do. I'm not scared of you, and fuck you, and fuck these guys over there, and then boom, a satellite lands on the guy. <laughs> and then he gets up, and another satellite lands on him. He gets up again, another satellite lands on him. And we're going back and forth with Exodus telling the story of what just happened. He's implanting propaganda in these kids' eye in, in their minds. And Mango's like, I just, I already won. I already killed all of you. Like, And then we, we end up at the at the uh, campsite, and let's, I'm, I'm flipping to it, I'm going to read it to you, we're talking Emma and Magneto, well, if asked, tell them we had no idea what they were talking about, because they're, they're repaying these governments for their satellites, and, uh, <laughs> why not, what a put, perfect ammunition, agreed, time to put an end to this whole episode, and then back to Exodus, and that, children, is what a hero is. It's what a hero does. Now tell me, what's your hero's name? And all these kids, resoundingly, Magneto, 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 Magneto. Yes, Magneto. And he is mutant. So is this is Exodus. Is he mutant and proud? He's, this is... This is this guy's their their head of uh, uh, national pride, and they don't even know it yet. <laughs> he's he, and and it's it's interesting to me that he's starting with children. He's not trying to convince the teenagers. He's Kid Omega is not at this at this bonfire. I mean, he just died and came back and then died or almost died, got ripped in half, uh, covered in weird flowers. Um, this is Exodus teaching the children that there were so many repercussions in this one issue 
it, it has to, th this one is going to be one that everyone's going to go back to in like 10 years. Why did this happen? Uh, you got to like Exodus, Exodus has been, he's been rearing these children for this exact moment. <laughs> Mm -hmm. I, I, it was so it was such an exciting issue. I mean, and then and then at the same time, we're we're reading these dossiers that are heavily redacted, blacked out, and then we see like just one word mutant or something 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 that would everything's blacked out, but you see one word and like okay, this one word is probably what they're talking about. And oh, mutant, yeah, okay, because that means we're we're all mutants. So I agree. I don't know. I don't care what I just missed that on. We're we're. They're even holding out on us, and I love it. I love the fact that Hickman is holding out even on the readers while we have this fourth-dimensional quality to it. Mm. Man, I need some water after that one. Man, I got all excited. I, like, bit my tongue halfway through that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before we get to last, next week, because we need to sleep on it for a couple of days, uh, Daredevil Annual number 1. It's always the number one, obviously. Yeah. And uh, DC's Black Label, Three Chokers. We're gonna, we need to sit on that one for a little bit. So give us, give us until next week for those ones because those ones were heavy and kind of odd. And it needs to be, if you're going to talk about those comics, guys, reread it again. You're going to hear us talk about it next week. But even then, they deserve three or four runs. Especially, uh, I, I read Thor number six twice. Like I, I finished it, and then I, I immediately went back to the Donny Cates. Give us the credits, man. Like uh, you got that pulled up yet? Yeah. No, I'm still looking at the other one. Whoops. Move. There we go. Yeah, Donny Cates is the writer. Nick Klein is the artist, which is a little bit. Uh, it's not as good as it has been, but it's still consistent. Matt Wilson is a color artist. VCs Joe Sabino is a letterer and the designer. Uh, Oliver Copiel and Laura Martin are the cover artists, if you're into all of these variant covers. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like, I felt like starting out, I was like, oh my god, I've completely missed something. And then I was glad because they went into it. And I appreciate that the entire aspect of this is is being kind of drawn out of King Thor eons after the fact by Dark Silver Surfer, or Silver Surfer Black as we would call it. Uh, which I dig because even if this isn't what stays in the continuity uh, with Her Thor the Herald and Silver Surfer Black, then at the very least we get to keep the idea that there is enough weight to those to these personas that they would last this long, uh, especially since we later see that Earth was devoured by Galactus in this story. But uh, I guess what really was impressive to me about this was the idea that anyone would be able to defeat Galactus, and that it was because of the powers that they'd given one another. And what was more, I felt like here's another Galactus story, but, and we've complained about that in recent months, <clears throat> that it doesn't always have to be the nuclear bomb. Like, 
There are plenty of other horrible things. And Galactus just feels like the go-to, oh, the end of all things character over and over and over again. Um, it kind of makes me really happy to think that, uh, that Thor could be the end of all things. Because even then, the, pers the personification of Winter that is showing up to destroy Galactus is visually represented as a dark version of Thor in this. Well, it perfectly makes sense if he's able to do what he's doing right now. Like, mm -hmm. it would have, it would, I wouldn't be opposed to it being like that, you know, that, that break off moment where you're just so obsessed with being good that all the bad things manifest themselves in a different way, like with Professor X and Onslaught. Yeah. So it, it I did, it, that didn't bother me at all. But at the same time, though, this was a soliloquy, man. Like, this was Thor just at his best. I, I feel like they invented new powers for for the hammer, like they. Uh, but yes, that's fine. For sure. <laughs> that's fine with me. Yeah, but, I, uh, I feel like I don't mind it when they like. For one thing, I feel like this is an offshoot story that is going to have its place in regular continuity, but it's also going to be like a a parable sort of, or a kind of a um, a campfire story that won't be the consistent... Th I mean, you can't say that Earth got destroyed and then not... Say and, I mean, unless you're saying this happens, you know, thousands of years from now or a hundred years from now or sometime after 2099 or something like that. But um, I don't know how this stays the main through line, ultimately, I guess the thing that I was going to say a minute ago that I kind of got off topic about was that I get, you know, we, I've complained that we utilize these characters over and over and show how outrageously powerful they are. But somehow or another, this book still surprised me. In the end, I was still just like, okay, you know, you pulled something out uh, that I didn't expect. And I felt like I'd seen it all with this level of, Mega power character, ultra power or omega level power character, or something like that. It's just right. in the end, this this works out, you know. And I gotta say that the 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 horror that Thor was shown as his own ending uh, transcends a degree of Ragnarok because of what we have come to know and expect from the probable futures of Marvel Comics. But let me ask you this. Do you think that this is a zombie universe we're looking at? I don't want to blow it for our readers if you haven't been reading this. I'm just going to say I something to grab. I think I think they're giving the zombie universe another good shot because, like, why not? Because mm -hmm. everyone loves zombies right now. Um, I, don't, I don't fault them for that, but at the same time, though... The whole idea of the last... Are we going to ruin this? Are we going to spoil it? You know what? I don't think this is the zombie universe. I think these are dead personas. They, no, they look they look full-on Arthur Sidium. Um, they do look zombies. zombie now that I think... Yeah, yeah, the sentry looks very zombie. It's just that I remember Wolverine losing an arm and a leg in the zombie... Marvel zombies. Well, uh, yeah, should zombies. we... Let's just say they're zombies. Should we, 
Should we ruin it? I don't know. I mean, it's nothing to be that concerned about. I mean, we just we you know, Thor is told by the 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 coming winter what his end will be, and it flashes to a depiction of Thanos with what I think is the uh, black black version of uh, Null. Am I wrong about that? They're definitely incorporating Null. I think Cates has been really scientific about all the stories he's writing because he's doing, he's like the main dude behind Null. And also, the I think he's been trying to sell them on the idea that Thanos wins because like two years ago, remember? Yep, yep. When we were reading the, when they first introduced Cosmic Ghost Rider. Yeah. Was that, yeah, that was it two years ago. God damn. Yeah. Um, but I think the key to looking at this is that Thanos is wielding Mjolnir and it has the Infinity Stones fused and embedded into it. So the idea that Thanos could be worthy, as long as that enchantment holds, I mean, that's the whole question, Joshua. Like, one day, is it probable, possible, that some being could break the enchantment of worthiness of Mjolnir? It's the... it's one of the only sacred things that has not been dicked with, you know? Well, if, yeah, yeah, like, the, the same way that, like, Bruce Wayne's parents would always stay dead. Yeah. Uncle Ben's always dead. Um, but if Thanos has, like, some sort of extra-dimensional gauntlet, why not go back and, you know, rewrite that history? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why it couldn't be a Mjolnir from another reality without the, the enchantment of worthiness. This book stopped me dead in my tracks, man. I mean, like, the, the, the whole battle, like, turning on his own, on his own quote-unquote master yeah. in terms of, like, okay, like, I never thought that Galactus would ever be able to control Thor as a, as a herald. Um, the conversation from the last issue, or was it this issue with Black Silver Surfer? It was, it was this issue. This issue, yeah, yeah. Uh, Black Silver Surfer needs to live on. It, it like oh, the, the way they constantly depict him. A long time. Yeah, I don't a think it's Black Silver Surfer. I think it's like, Silver Surfer Black. Go back and read that, guys. It's a six-issue story. It's freaking amazing. It's the most psychedelic artwork that you've seen in decades, I think. So. The best cover for it was the Iron Line exclusive uh, when he had Kate's here, and I, I can't believe I missed that, but I was actually working that day. But that's all I got for, for yeah. comics, man. Like, uh, I gotta close it down. I got a huge work day tomorrow. I got a huge work day tomorrow, too, man. Huge but work I'm, days. I'm, You've got huge I'm still work in days, a... minefielders. Yeah. We appreciate you and love you, and we really. Like we're we're gonna add some extra elements to the wrestling show uh, that we do. So if you guys are fans of the wrestling show, we do. I'm also gonna start doing uh, weekly DJ mixes, and you'll be able to find them on every place that we put it at. At least Mixcloud because they they they've got all the licenses. My last mix got pulled down because they thought I had some Daft Punk song that I did not play. Like it was like yeah. I didn't play that song. I hate that song. They removed it, but this is fine. It was just a it was a beta test of, of me just showing off that I can do what I can do and uh, we're we're stepping our game up. We're stepping our game up. Uh, we're stepping our game up over at CSW. 
much love to everyone over at uh, Rocky Mountain Pro, uh, everyone at uh, CSW. I mean, like, uh, like I, man, I was so worried that Randy and Sammy were going to get mad at me. Um, I was like, listen, because I, I, you know, I go to the training sessions and, and right before Bill and Ted, I'm like, listen, um, I was granted a press pass for Rocky Mountain Pro on Saturday. I'm not going to be able to make, you know, the training. And Sammy was just like, don't worry about us. We're doing just fine. We appreciate what you do, but you have to keep doing what you're doing. Under no circumstances can you miss. If you've got the opportunity, under no circumstances can you miss that. And he 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 just wished me well and gave me the biggest fucking hug. And so did Randy, man. Like like the, like if this was 1980s like territory, they'd be like, "Fuck you! Why are you even talking to these guys?" No, no, like they they were absolutely true blue friends and wished me well. And uh, thank you, Rocket Mountain Pro, for the. Uh, absolute hospitality i was showing the other day as a as a uh, uh, i really approached it as renegade fucking gorilla in the shit fucking journalism man and i got i can't wait for uh what i released in a couple days but sorry i didn't mean to go off on a rant on that i'm just so thankful cool cool all right well you kick some ass getting ready for for your movie this transmission is over minefields this is dangerous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. <laughs>